Hello, and welcome to the Sim Sundays podcast. This is a very special episode because we're here at Sim Racing Expo 2023, and I get the pleasure of interviewing with me here Adrian from Sim Racing Limited, and we want to talk a little bit about sim racing centers and how they've kind of exploded all over the place. So some of you may be a little older like me when, you know, you go to the mall or a store or something, and you'd be able to play in some arcades, but now we're sim racers, and we want to race on the sim in these areas. Adrian, thanks for joining me today. Uh, Sim Racing Expo, how are, you, how are you liking the environment? What are you, what's your feeling of the I, overall event? It's great to be here, talking to a lot of people. Obviously, we will share the same passion for sim racing and, and motor racing in general. So, it's, yeah, great to be here. Yeah, so sim racing centers. I mean, it's kind of like a dream in my eyes where I'd be able to go somewhere, sit down on a rig, get my racing and then just have a little bit of fun with some other people that may be interested in the same thing. Can you start us in the beginning and tell us, like, what was the original idea? How did you execute this and make this happen all over the place? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, so without going all the way back, sure, because we've only got so much time. <laughs> um, like many people here, I've always had a passion for cars and racing, um, but was very aware that real world racing is kind of expensive. A little bit. Um, Sounds nice, but it's kind of expensive. Um, so I'd always enjoyed go-karting, playing on the PlayStation. And then it was nine... Should we give that a moment? <laughs> no, you, you talk <laughs> over it. Uh, 1998, the classic Grand Prix Legends came out. And I became aware that finally there was something that, that was more like driving a real racing car. Yep. All right, kind of dated now, 25 years ago. But most people here who are old enough remember that that was a game changer. So um, I, I got hold of that, spent a lot of time installing on a PC, getting it working. Um, and within five years, I started to wonder, having looked at how long it had taken me to install it, configure device drivers, graphic drivers, set up the steering wheel, calibrate it. Sure. I was spending as much time putting it all together yep. as I was actually enjoying the driving it. And I wondered if there were other people who was, you just said, would like to just get in yeah, just and enjoy it. Sit down, throw some laps together, race a buddy, race another random person, but, it, you know, side by side so that you can do a little bit of the trash talking or yeah. have a little bit of fun. But a lot of the, the people in sim racing are tinkerers where, you know, updating yeah. drivers, like you say, configuring your wheel, getting everything set up. But there's a huge audience out there, sometimes me included, to be honest with you, that would like to just sit go race jet yeah sure so um so yeah that the way i see it um real world motor racing is expensive in time and in money sim racing is not expensive financially well actually looking at some of the kit around here it can become so <laughs> but compared to real world motor racing it's still much lower yeah on the finances but it still has the time element what the Sim Racing Center offers is low financially and low in terms of, of time investment. Sure. So, and I mean, with console being very, very popular as a gaming platform, you know, PC gaming back in, I guess I'll say back in our day, PC gaming back in our day was always a tinkering kind of uh, endeavor. But now with console gaming, there's a lot of people who just want to hit that power button get off on the road and, and race and be done with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. So as, as we touched on earlier, um, the PlayStation, the Xbox does offer that. You walk up to it, you press the button, 
and you're racing. Right. And if you ever press that button and you're not racing, you take it back to the shop, you get another one and you press the button and you're racing. And as we know, PCs, although generally they'll offer a superior experience, you don't just press the button now. So no, again, not the quite. Sim Racing Center outsources that complexity of configuring it all to people who run the Sim Racing Centers. So, so it's still there, but it's owned by someone else. The people who rock up for their stag party, their corporate event, their children's party. It's the simplicity of the console experience, but with the superior driving experience. It even helps some of those people who maybe don't have the expenses available to be able to put a kit together. Don't want to buy a PC, don't want to buy a wheel, don't want to buy a base, don't want to just kind of mess around with all of that extra stuff. Or even the space, like if you live in a small flat or apartment, if you're an American, then you just, you don't have the room for it. These sim racing centers being all over the place is, a, is almost like a, a gift. You, you've given the gift of racing to, to it's people. It's funny around. you say that. It reminds me of a story when... Um, so, I, so I built... Um, I played with Grand Prix Legends for five years. And at some point along that journey, I thought this could be a business. And I eventually, with my brother... Interestingly, 2002. Um, if you search the internet for gaming chassis or steering wheel or pedal, you'd get this big empty page. There was a hyper-stimulator... Okay. Um, and a thing called a uh, Momo Red. Obviously, if you search the internet these days, yeah, you are flooded. But back then, there was, there was virtually nothing. So, so having seen how impressive the Grand Prix Legends experience was, my brother and I were forced to make some chassis ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, we had a brief conversation with Hyperstim, um, and we said, we need to adjust the seats really quickly. And they said, yeah. It's like a minute or so, just get the Allen key or pull the bolts out. And we said, no, we, we need to adjust the seat like, like in a immediate, car. Like in like a normal in a car, car. If, if you were to sit in there, you're taller than me. Yeah. You would just rip the lever. and. So the only chassis that was available in that time frame, the mindset was it's more your mates came round and you want to adjust the seat for him. Okay. But for commercial premises, that's no, not going to work. It needs to be instant. So we ended up making our own chassis um, and we put three chassis in a barn, a leaky barn with holes in the roof in Winchester in the UK. That was either the world's first race center, or as I've learned over the subsequent 20 years, it was one of the handful. Okay. There were some guys in Vegas that put some NASCAR sims in Vegas, and uh, there was some good stuff going on in New Zealand and Australia. But it was one of the first in the world. They went into a barn in Winchester whilst I still worked for IBM. Um, and after a year, this hobby, I had complete strangers phoning up saying, are, are you the guy who's got that simulators? That's interesting. And that's the point my mates were going, you've got, you've got something here? They said, look, it can play out one of two ways. I had a really good friend. He said, look, you've got something. In five years' time, you could either be expanding this or you're going to see on television guys come up with this amazing idea and you'll be you're going... I had that idea. Yeah, one of the classic, <laughs> oh, you know, I thought of that once, but I never, um, never did so, it. So this was when I was making decisions, should I leave my corporate IT job? And once he'd put it to me like that, I said, oh, you bugger. I've got to have my notice in now. I, I guess I better take the next step, right? So, so that's how I got started. Your comment about um, saving people the time. Mm -hmm. When I'd first put those together, and we, we, once I'd left IBM, we went from three to six and we now have a venue of 10 simulators, okay. which I still own, but I no longer run. Sure. 
and the management systems we've developed allow me now to be an owner who doesn't run it. But your, your comment about um, people could do it themselves, I had a guy on the phone when I, so I ran it for four years, seven days a week, four years. I lost a lot of friends. I think a girlfriend or two I lost in that time. <laughs> um, I don't advise other people to go down that path. But it, it was difficult by then. There was no one to turn to. Right. It's like being that first person up the mountain. You're the person putting in the... Putting the in the, the safety lines. The safety lines. Um, I had a guy phone up and he said, well, how much is it? And I don't know. It was, it was like 20 euros or so back then or pounds for us. Um, he said, well, 20... 20 pounds each and there's eight of us he said but let me get this right it's, it's just like it's just a pc running a game yeah and you're going to charge us 20 pounds each i said yeah it's, it's basically a bunch of pcs networked he said well i could do that so he was trying to book this for his stag okay. party okay so he's this is this, sto this in, story's in worth his, exploring in his so, track for yeah, in, just pure in, entertainment he always in his head he's going you're going to charge me 20 pounds for two hours to play a game on a pc i've got a pc i could install that I said, well, on there eight of you? He said, well, yeah. I said, sorry, you're, you're going to get eight PCs. Let's walk this through, I said, because I had time. I said, let's work this through. You're going to get eight PCs. You're going to install Grand Prix Legends on all of them. You're going to get a network. You're going to link them together. You're going to go make sure you've all got the same steering wheel and pedals. You're going to calibrate. Presumably, if, how big's your lounge? Okay, you're going to hire a hall. You're going to get eight PCs, put them in there. And we went through this, and I said, and... When you do the qualifying and racing, who's going to keep track of the scores and stuff? He goes, oh, we'll do it on a piece of paper. And we went through all of this. And he said, actually, 20 pounds a head, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? <laughs> it's, but I had to go for it. Was, it but it was fun to go through that whole thing with him. But although it's only a PC with a game on it, in the same way, there's a lovely analogy. Um, when we first built the race center, I think it was just when Gran Turismo, probably two came out. And my friends were saying, your race center is screwed. They've just brought out Gran Turismo too. Who's mm -hmm. going to want to go to a race center? And I did panic for a minute, having just oh, handed in my, my notice on my job. And I realized pubs and bars sell beer. And in the UK, that's about six, seven pounds a pint these days. You can buy exactly the same product from the local supermarket for one pound, of course. But what a supermarket is selling you is the product what a pub or a bar is selling is a social entertainment. Well, yeah. Because and that's the same you, of a race center. To, while, sure, you may enjoy yourself a pint or enjoy yourself a race by yourself, it's a lot different when you're in an environment like, let's say, Sim Racing Expo, yep. and you're sitting next to the person that's behind you on the track, or you're sitting next to the person that's right in front of you, and you're, you're right on their bumper, and if you tap them, they're going to kind of give you the side eye. It's, it's a completely different yeah, that, experience that when very, you add the social bit. Yeah. Yeah, when you bump into someone sat, when you're racing together in a virtual space, but sat next to each other in the same physical space, there's a whole different dynamic. It's a lot different. I yeah. mean, back to a, a sim center being used for a stag party. Uh, Which that, a stag party, if you're not used to that English expression, English it would, uh, would be like a bachelor party, bat bachelor or bet bucks party. party, or yeah, I guess a uh, bucks party. Um, this same guy that I was discussing the twenty pounds ahead and isn't it just a game on a PC? He said, well, actually, we wouldn't need to rent a hall. We could do it online. I said, but that's not really a, a Bucks party, is it? All in your bedroom at home, racing online. Yeah, that's just it, normal. And again, it's back yeah. to that analogy of a pub. It's people are prepared to pay more to come together.
to have a social well, experience. Like I mentioned in the very beginning of the podcast, we used to have arcades where it was just a sure. collection of all kinds of different games. There was fighting games, there was adventure games, there was some driving games of various types, like off-road where you stood up and had the wheel that spun just continuously. But you go to these social areas just so that you can be around like-minded people and kind of not in your own loneliness at home at, at times because it's fun to race it's fun to game at home of course like we're all gamers but when you put that extra element that's why we all come to sim racing expo here is because you want to be around like-minded people you want to talk to the other people that love the same exact thing that you do and we like cards right so i think we'll have to wait for this one this one's a little bit louder than yeah, that last louder. one was. But so in your mind, you're, you're, you're building these sim racing centers and you have the one in your leaky, leaky barn house or, you know, your leaky shed. What made you say, what made you say, you know what, let's, let's franchise this. Let's distribute this out and about. Let's make it bigger than just this one venue that that I'm running that, that is a great question. So when I, when I left my job, the vision was actually I was going to open one center and another one. Uh, and obviously the, it was going to have bums on seats. People would, I, I went, hang on, 10 simulators, 20 pounds an hour, 24 hours. I'm going to be a million. I was, I was working out what oh, Ferrari like, I was going to buy. What's my path to millionaire here? But, What's yeah, going absolutely. On? but it turns out the weekdays, daytime is a bit quieter. The business is weekends. Yeah, um, your, your calculations are... Every seat's full, every hour of the day, all day long. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, that's uh, not the, realistic. The, the other thing that happened there was I initially, in my bubble, imagined that there were much more people like us than it turns out there are. So everyone here has a passion for racing and sim racing. And anyone here, you can put them in a the car with no ABS, no traction control, and they'll enjoy it. None turns of those out assists as turn, we all don't like. Turn, no. <laughs> turns out that the general public, if this is the general public, we are this little sliver of people. Oh, of course. Um, there's a broader group of people who enjoy racing, but sadly, it does need to be dumbed down. Yeah, it needs and the, to, it, and the extent to need, which it needs to be dumbed down is is quite a surprise when you actually run a well a sim sensor. Obviously, we have people over to my house and, and they see my sim racing setup and they go, you know what, I really want to give that a go. And so I sit them down and the very first thing they always say is, wow, this brake is really hard to push. I'm like, it's not your road car. It's just, it's a race car. It's, of course, it's going to have a hard brake. So the transition from, oh, that looks really cool. I want to give it a go to being in the rig, racing the rig. How did you kind of fix, I guess, the, the struggle of the average person going into a sim racing center or being at a sim racing center, sitting on the rig and being like, well, this is not fun. This isn't, this isn't the arcade game that I saw in a Dave & Buster's, which is just a, a, yeah. an arcade shop in, in America. So another great question. So the challenge there is, yeah, to make it accessible, as we call it. So a stag party, even a children's party. And I never wanted to take the, obviously, we moved off of Grand Prix Legends to R-Factor 1 and R-Factor 2 as of course, along the journey there. But I never wanted to dumb down the experience because we got this lovely equipment. And to just to turn all of the assists on, um, that, that seemed a waste of what we'd set up. You might as well go to Sega World if that's what you want. So the philosophy we took, and we now advise um, other race centers to do the same, is to think of it, to make it accessible, but without dumbing it down. 
what would you do in the real world is always the way we think about it. So if you were lucky enough, somebody had bought you a single-seater experience at your local race circuit. Right. When you rocked up there, they wouldn't put you straight in the F1 car and say, hey, Chris, go do some laps. Good luck. Have some fun. Um, <laughs> because it's expensive and dangerous. In the sim center, it's not expensive and dangerous, but you still wouldn't have fun. Yeah. So in the real world, and this is what we do in our race center, um, and what we advise other people over from race centers, go through the same path. Put them on a simple circuit. So in the UK, if you went for an experience like that, they wouldn't put you on the GP circuit. It's too fast and it's too many bends for the average person to learn. They'd put you on the national circuit. Yep. And they'd put you in the UK in something like a Formula Ford or a Skip Barber in America, mm. and they'd rev limit it. And we do the same. So if people have come for a three-hour event, we'll give them a simple circuit. Our classics are Brands Indy, Lime Rock Park, Monza. We'll, we'll lay them out and we'll say, look, you can choose any of these. And they go, well, we can choose any of these. Yeah, but not these ones. Yeah. Um, and then we, and then we build ones. them up through more powerful cars. And then when they get to the F1 car, instead of going, oh, this is crazy, this is rubbish, I can't drive it, they appreciate the progression. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense um, because, you know, anyone who's been, let's say you're a, a mini driver in a sim and then you just jump over to like an F1 car, your braking zones are all messed up. You're flying into the corners. You're, you're cutting yeah. corners because you just don't know what He's you're doing. doing. So when, with your software, because anyone can install a set of cores on a PC, throw it into a venue of something, but something that's kind of unique about Sim Racing Centers is the, the ability to kind of control the experience in a way. Yeah, so the very first event, we had an Excel spreadsheet um, and literally... PC1, PC2, PC3, and I'd go, right, first race, and I'd go, click, 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 <laughs> click, click. By the time we got to 10 simulators, that was getting a little bit tedious and slow. Yeah. So the first thing we had to do with the software, there are three things that we do to help people run sim centers. The first is to automate the mundane, repetitive, and time-critical tasks. Well, and that helps the, the attendees as well, because, like, if I'm sitting there and I finish a race, but you're on sim one going through your excel sheet going okay i gotta put this car this on this track and do this and i have to wait for eight more yeah to finish i'm like well, this is kind of not worth my yeah. my entry fee for the hourly rate exactly so the first thing is automation so as simple as one click to fire up 10 pcs another click to launch a set of course on all 10 another click they're on track ready to race that's nice um so automation is the first thing we do the second thing we do is to help a venue operator to make more money. Sure. So that's the standard version of our product. Um, it turns out um, that, again, we're a niche audience. When I first opened the race center, I just assumed I, I, I'd bought into the build it and they will come. <laughs> I built it and it turned out that five people came. You were like, I don't even, no ads, just they're going to walk yeah. by and say, so, I really want to go in there. So it turns out, again, that the people like us, are quite a niche yeah. audience. Like you um, said before, a small sliver. Yeah, very so of all of the race centers in the world that we service, and we've got uh, operations in more than 30 countries, um, they've all 30 discovered... How, how, many, how many centers in those 30 That's countries? a closely guarded secret, ah. but it is in, in more than 30 <laughs> countries. I'll tell you afterwards. Um, it turns out that very few of them can make it financially viable 
just by serving this community. Yeah, right. Um, it, it can be done, um, but it's got to be very high-end equipment. You've got to be in a high footfall area, and you've got to get your membership structured just right. Sure, sure. The reality is, the same as go-kart centers have discovered, that to make it financially viable, you've got to serve a whole different bunch of people. In fact, we've, we've got a document called the seven revenue streams of successful race centers. The seven revenue streams of successful race centers. That's based kind of like a like a a helpful onboarding document of some sort that yeah, would, sure. would kind of kind of get you started, you know. Sure. So we put that together based on our experience with working with people in 30 countries and um, we've made that available as a free download on our on our website. Nice. So now switching gears a little bit from the the venue owner and the venue management side what if i was a racer and let's just take the uk because you're probably the the most familiar with that currency model what what does it cost for a person to go in and race just like if i wanted to go to a sim racing center and i wanted to just get on the rig but the, the general metrics we go by so that the real world um amusement arcades used to be about 25p a minute Indoor go, let's go euros. Um, okay. Amusement arcades, 25 euros a minute. Indoor karting, indoor go karting, about one euro a minute. Outdoor go karting, two euros a minute. Creeping For people up who take their own car on a racetrack, you're very quickly five or 10 pounds a minute. And for real world motor racing, for anyone who's wow. done it, even at the grassroots level, you're looking at hundreds or thousands of pounds a minute. And that's if you don't crash. Once you start crashing it, goes through the roof and um, we're seeing sim centers pitching somewhere between amusement arcades and go-karting okay levels yeah. but it's so not like depending a, if they've got motion and vr yeah kind of one euro a minute the more is, technical stuff is, is the general a little more right but it's not like the old arcades where you'd go to the little coin machine stick in your dollar and then four quarters pop out and you're just feeding the machine all day it's like a pay the guy at the front sit down for your time interesting you should say that so for the last 15 years the systems we've delivered are to provide a managed experience where somebody, a group of people walk in, they walk up to a counter mm-hmm. and they say what cars and tracks they want to drive. And we always suggest to race centers that they talk to their visitors as drivers, not gamers. Okay. Because it turns out you can charge more for a driving experience <laughs> than okay. you can okay. for a gaming experience. <laughs> um, so there's a little, nice little tip there. Um, so we've had a managed experience where they, in, they interface with an operator who then delivers the experience. So there's kind of a, and a host for a host, an event, yeah. if you will. Uh, the analogy would be going to a restaurant. You walk in. You got a server. You're being served. Yeah. What we're seeing now in the last couple of years, we released a variation of our product called Kiosk Mode and integrated contactless payment. We're now seeing a lot of rig manufacturers are being approached by people who say, love your rigs. I want to put two of them into my go-kart center, into my airport lounge, onto my well, cruise that's interesting. ship. Okay, yeah. Um, and for that, we created a variation, uh, our product's VMS, venue management system, uh, kiosk mode. And that's now allowing people who make simulators to approach the local go-kart center, say, hey, you've got a nice little space there. Put a couple of simulators, contact this payment. Well, um, and a, a nice way that's working is if the go-kart center says, well, they're expensive, well, the rig manufacturer is saying, you provide the space, we're putting the regs. Oh, wow. 
And we'll do a revenue share. Almost like you're like uh, renting the rigs, rent to own almost. I believe it's a model that Coca-Cola used to use with, yeah, their, with their with vending, their vending machines. machines. So, the, so the location, their obligation is to provide the space, make sure it's turned on and kept clean, and that's working for everyone. That's interesting. So one thing that you did mention is like sim, how much it costs, carding, how much it costs, racing, how much it costs. But we didn't also talk about the the risk involved to you personally. So there are me, I have no desire to be a race car driver. I'm just a sim player and I enjoy the sim. But there are some people out there that potentially could be a little bit afraid of of getting on a track on a car or paying for a car and wrecking the car. But this gets you into the racing environment, the racing mindset and racing against other people. Now, in these sim racing centers, what about like leagues and championships? And obviously that's all up to the event organizer, but does your software have the ability to give all of that kind of like, okay, I'm winning a trophy because I'm going to Sim Racing Center in my local town against uh, my local the, the, people. The closest we get to that, so that so that the systems are divine, designed as a generic solution yep. that allows the, the operator to create an event that has, getting mathematical, zero or more practice sessions, zero or more qualifying oh, right, sessions, right. and zero or more race sessions. So they can create whatever they want, but we, all, we also have the ability, and again, based on feedback from operators around the world they say we've had a we have a group who come in one month but then they they want to come in the next month like a local um bank or and they want to keep track of their progress yeah so we also we do have a, a championship management system that you just daisy chain you say this event this event this event you just link them together and then it creates them a, a leaderboard something again that we used to do in the in my venue with our spreadsheet and if you ask any of the staff <laughs> who used to do it, it was like, before you go home tonight, you've got to merge these two events. And, and this one had 12 drivers, but this one's got 15 drivers. But it's a, a oh well, God, they hated it. I happen to know a, a, a grid finder you could put your community on grid there. Grid finder, yeah. I've heard yeah. Of that, yeah. <laughs> right. So switching back to the, the owner and maybe someone who would want to start a sim racing center or even just a venue that wants to put some rigs in there so they have a little bit of a different kind of competition. You mentioned that you do have this getting started guide on your website. Yes. What website is that? Um, so we're UK based. We, we work globally, but it's uh, simracing.co.uk. Right. So anybody who's been touched by this and sees that that's something that they'd like to explore, um, just go on the website. I think it's the bottom of the, <laughs> bottom of the main page. Pop in your email address, and the email will come straight to you with that with that guide on the seven revenue. That's, revenue that's very cool. Uh, we got the loud loud car started again. But uh, so, if let's say I was to want to start a sim racing ex or sim racing expo, sim racing center. What do you think the the startup time is for that? Like, how long does your onboarding phase normally take? Uh, the, I'll tell you. I'll tell. I'll tell you that the longest. It's not typical, but the longest I have had was a guy in the UK, who between first speaking to me, and eventually saying I'm ready for a license keeping software was was four. There we go. Okay. So how long? Was four years. Was four, four years. years. But okay. but typically we're looking at more to three to six months. But to open a venue, there's a number of steps that have to happen. Somebody first of all has to have the idea. The next biggest step is, well, there's two that rank second. It's, 
it's deciding to leave their job and telling their partner that they're about <laughs> to do this yeah. crazy thing. They rank about the same. Um, and, then, and then finding a premises and finding the key, lo- the right location is key. Right. And there's a big decision. Should you go city center and pay the high rates, but get a high footfall or out of town with lower rates, but then you've got to spend money on marketing to get people there. They both work. Yeah. Um, and part of, we always say when we license our product, it's the product, but we've also got 20 years of experience. Um, and if they don't work, we don't work. So we're always very open with happy to schedule a call to share our expertise on choosing locations, yeah. layouts. And in fact, we've got some community pages as well. So our users can... Speaking of locations, how would someone who wants to go to a sim racing center or book an event or even just race there, how would they find a local location? Do you have like a search on your website? It's funny you say that. Um, So we're simracing.co.uk, simracing.co.uk. But if you scroll to the bottom, we sponsor a site called racecenters.com. Okay. And on there, we list uh, several hundred race centers around the world. And we invite, if anybody's spots that they're not on there then our partners for that page will just it's a free service yeah it's about it's about raising the tide to raise all ships so the more we can spread the word about race centers then it's good for everyone right sounds like we should um figure out a way to put those on grid finder uh sorry sounds like we should figure out a way to put those on grid finder we'll have a conversation (laughs) right right have a conversation so Thank you very much. Is there any, any last details that you want to share with our audience? No, I, th- I think we've covered it pretty well, though. Very cool, very cool. Well, thank you very much again. And if you're looking for a sim racing league and want to get involved in a Wednesday night iRacing league in NASCAR or any permutation of all of these different sims out there, go to gridfinder.com to check that out. But this is the Sim Sundays podcast. We release a new episode every single Sunday. Um, the uk time in the morning so it's available on apple spotify google anywhere you get your podcast but thank you very much again adrian and we'll have a conversation about getting you on grid fighter thank you (laughs) all right